Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Super Fast Income. Today with me is Michelle Sims, Global Community Lead at Finamize. Finamize is a financial news and education platform designed to help its users become better investors. Michelle helped the company grow from 100K subscribers to over a million global readers. Started by hosting in-person events in London to connect the audience. So this is going to be an amazing and other amazing episode. So welcome, Michelle, to the podcast. How are you today? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Can you quickly introduce yourself to the audience and uh, how did you get uh, into Finamize in the first place? Sure. So yeah, I'm the global community lead at Finamize. I'm also the podcast host of Behind the Community podcast, if you want to learn more about community. And yeah, I've been, I guess, at Finamize now for about five, five and a half years. And before that, I was working in marketing. I started my career off working in for travel marketing. So if anyone ever did a Kentucky holiday as a rite of passage when they're, you know, in their early 20s traveling around the world, then yeah, I probably helped you on that way. And then I started working for a a startup in London when I moved to London eventually. That was my first job in, in the community space. And it essentially, you know, it was about entrepreneurs and digital nomads living in a beautiful home. And I was their community manager. So I lived with them. I traveled with them. I yeah helped them kind of succeed in what they were doing there. But it was a very interesting way to get into the community industry because Essentially, I was building like a family, building like a household. So the learnings that I took from Rome, which is the company I previously worked for, and when I found Finamize, we we were just a, a newsletter brand at that point with 100,000 users, as you mentioned. And we didn't have actually any way of, of connecting and engaging our community at that time other than Everyone was reading the newsletter around the world. They loved the brand. And so, yeah, I, sent, I essentially found Finamize, you know, it, it kind of fit, the shoe fit. And yeah, I've been with them ever since. <laughs> <laughs> How did you transition from a newsletter with a large following to building a global community around Finamize? So, yeah, as I mentioned, like I kind of, I started at Finamize with this kind of traditional community background and we, we wanted to find a way of connecting our community more than just with the newsletter. And at that point, we were just a newsletter. We, didn't, we hadn't built the app yet. So literally, you know, 100,000 people reading us all around the world, which was great. But I decided to, to host some events in, in London. And we were already kind of hosting a few events. We had, you know, 20 people turn up at a, at a pub in London. And that started getting traction in our newsletter. And people started reaching out to us and saying, you know, it's great that you're putting on all these amazing events in London, but what about Switzerland? What about Zurich? What about uh, Australia? What about Boston? You know, all these amazing places around the world. So since we kind of had the blueprint of how events were run really well in, at Finamize, we decided to give that ownership and that knowledge and pass that on to community members for them to be able to run their own Finamize events and connect with other Finamize people all around the world. And, and you're probably thinking, you know, why did people want to do this? And we were really that first 
financial brand to ever kind of start talking to everyday people like normal humans. So the financial industry is kind of built around this jargon where it's confusing and that's why you pay a premium to be able to speak to someone to to work out what your how, how to do your finances. But we were finally kind of unlocking that and democratizing access for everyday users through the content and the community that we were building. And I think people just really love that problem that, uh, you know, that product that we built for the solution of that product, uh, the problem. Um, so yeah, it, it, it already felt like people wanted to share this message globally. Yeah. We started off with maybe like a three or four people just hosting events in a few different cities just as a tester. And then we scaled that. In one year, we had 10,000 people attending events across 35 different cities around the world. So at that point, we could actually say we had this global community that was super engaged because they were, you know, themselves running these events to connect with each other. I guess when you have these sort of growth, especially when a community is growing organically and other people mm. outside your company are running those events, you're definitely facing some challenge. What challenges did you face when expanding community events globally and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I think, I think a big lesson when scaling is that you've got to be prepared to give up control. And I think that comes down to, obviously you have to find uh, and vet the right people to give that control to, but you've got to, you can't be a micromanager because you got to know that if you want to scale quickly and, and fast and, and you want to get your message out, then you've got to be willing to, to give up that control and allow people to start building their version of, of your message and your experience so there's, yeah, there's, there's a couple of different ways that you can control that to a point, but you've always got to be willing to, to let it kind of run free. Mm. Can you tell me a situation where things went wrong and you have to mm. intervene and, you know, put it right? I mean, if you can share it, of course. I think when things go wrong with the ambassador program, like, you, I think a big one that we found was that when we weren't vetting the program properly, we found that some people were using it not just to connect with Finomize users around the world, but they were using it as a way of essentially a sales method, which <laughs> is totally fine, but they weren't tra transparent with us from the beginning. And I think when... Yeah, when you're being open and honest and sharing kind of a method and the experience with these people and giving that control, and then they're not themselves being totally upfront about their their aim and their goals of being part of the program, then that that's a big breakdown of 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 trust and communication. And yeah, essentially, I had to fire some people because of them abusing or, you know, using the system as a way of self-promotion or, or selling their products when, you know, at the core, we built this, this program to be able to connect and educate the rest of the community 
and, and continue sharing that message at the very beginning. Yeah, I guess there are so many challenges. How do you manage and maintain the self-driven dynamics with such a large community? Yeah, I think we, I'm, I'm a big lover of playbooks and obviously the, I think, I think the vetting process is one, one process, one big project in itself, but I think playbooks are a huge win for when you are scaling and scaling quite quickly. It, it, it's, it's, it's just, just like working in another company. You, you've got to be good at documentation. You've got to be good a bit about communicating your mission, what people are there to do what they need to do, how long. And I think if you want to be able to share your message quite quickly, playbooks, I can't tell you the number of playbooks I've built in my time working at Finimize and then also <laughs> all the other communities that I've built alongside it. But they're a massive kind of win if, if you want to be able to communicate quite quickly. Yeah. When you're trying to obviously make profits because Phenomize is, uh, is still a, a, a company. Uh, how do you balance maintaining a sense of community while expanding into different market segments or products? I think, yeah, I think the sense of community is, is really important. And, and at the beginning, I think I was telling you, like, you have to have, you have to be building a product that is solving a problem. And you're also having to bring those people along in that journey. And I, a big thing about community is this like bottom-up approach. So the way businesses have been doing it for so long is by dictating what needs to be done or making changes with, you know, no input from their community or, or their customers. So at any stage of the business, I think the community kind of method of bringing community members along that, that journey you know, setting up focus groups, figuring out ways of collecting feedback through surveys, hosting, you know, creative sessions with them. Uh, I think we did a few like wine and wine and, uh, I don't know, networking <laughs> and, and drawing uh, sessions with our community members. So a big thing I think is, is bringing them along in that journey. And then I, I think another thing as well is, the language that you use with your community at a very at the very very early stage we already had this kind of like title for how we would call our our members so we we call our members finimizers and i think that just stuck and when i see people posting on their linkedins or just messaging people in our in their whatsapp groups or whatever community channels we have and they use the words finimizer you know, they're, they're taking that ownership of the brand and they really feel like they are part of it. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of, uh, I think there's goes a lot into building that culture, especially at the beginning, to be able to build that sense of belonging and, and keep people talking about us for years and, and months to come because you, you the only way you're going to keep people engaged is that they feel this sense of responsibility and ownership of, of for the brand. Yeah, that's quite profound. I think everyone with a business would love to have an engaged community. Uh, it would make yeah. everything so much easier, developing product, launching, selling. I mean, I can't, I can't think of anything else that is more valuable than an engaged community. 
So if someone wants to build an engaged community and do something epic like you did with Phenomize, what would you say would be the strategies or tactics that have worked exceptionally well in building and nurturing Phenomize's community? So I think like tactics would be, so one, I guess one of the things that we did that I think involved a lot of people and, and was a really fun process was building out like a, a manifesto. So we, I think when you're building a mission driven business, which is most of the startups today, people want to feel like they are part of, you know, the solution and that they're, they're, they're supporting that and they're growing that um, together. And I think a really nice opportunity to, to bring people in. So our team wrote this um, manifesto and then it, it was almost like we were asking people to participate in that, to tell us that they agree that they are, you know, they, they want to, they want to support in this mission. So increasing the net worth of our generation, if you Google Finomize Manifesto, you can learn all about it there. And then what we did after that was we said, this is your manifesto, we built it with you. We, this is what you wanna be a part of. If you agree, then sign it. So we had thousands of people online sign it. We had at every single event, we, we brought like a, printed out version. Um, and before anyone left, they signed the manifesto. So we have hundreds of these like manifestos signed in our office throughout the time. But I think it's a, a really nice way to, again, like bring people along with, with you in that journey um, and to give them ownership. But yeah, I think there's so many different like culture ideas that you can do and and programs and events that you can do to to really foster that engagement early on and and throughout you know throughout you building the next stage of your community as well so i love what you said about playbook because it makes growing a community much more like a systems rather than you know let it to be not, not even organic just by chance and this will happen most of the time. It's like you're trying to build an audience and then you hope this audience becomes something more and they engage with you, mm. your content and support you. But because you already done it, if you had to do this to, you know, for another company or for someone else, what would you say are the steps or the things that you have to be mindful if you want to be successful in growing an engaged audience? The steps would be first you know building that audience because not necessarily when you're building an audience it's going to be a community so just finding and and in in the community space we call something we call we call it the commitment curve basically so having kind of activations and programs at the very very early stage where people can just show up they can click a button they can sign up to a newsletter they can what is it? Just sign a manifesto. You know, something. I think that put, would probably fall in the next stage. But what are these kind of early on things where they're just participating at a very low level, barely thinking about it? And then kind of you grow it to the next stage. So what are those opportunities where they can attend an, an event? They can fill out a survey. They can 
I don't know, <laughs> click an ad or something, but, you know, working your way up where there's a little bit more effort in that way they engage with your brand, but it's it's low commitment still. And then you're kind of taking them up to that next stage where they become this almost like a leader. And, and that's where I would say if if you've kind of built up your audience to a point where you're ready for them to participate in an even more engaged way, then ambassador programs are really great. An ambassador program doesn't mean that you have to get your members to run events. It could also mean that you are having people. So Airbnb was a really good example of they kind of brought together a, a, a an army almost of, of members of the people that rent their, their house out. So of their members to petition against a, a legislation in, in Spain of, I think it was like housing legislation that was going to disrupt their profits and earnings. So you can, you can kind of be as creative as, as you, as you want. And I think the, the playbook is a really good way where you've got this blueprint that can scale and, and can help support in that mission quite quickly because often or not you're going to have one or two community members in each team and when you think about it you know one person hosting an event doesn't have that much impact but one person teaching 50 people to host an event or one person teaching you know 50 people to do something and take action then that has a lot more impact and it you know you can keep going with that commitment curve but it's very similar to yeah, I, I guess kind of keeping people engaged in your business, in your product. Yeah, the community is a long, long journey. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's easier to build an audience to that community because I think what you just said is like for going from a com- an, uh, an audience to a community, you need some activation program, some mm. sort of engagement to move them through this journey to become a community, basically. Yeah. Okay, so how do you identify and elevate community leaders within this ecosystem that you build? So, I mean, the identification process is really around like the vetting process that I was talking about. And usually you kind of have this idea on who you want as part of your community. You, you probably have some internal kind of culture mission statements and you probably have hopefully you have an external one of of uh, that's facing the audience but then there's there's this kind of like profile that you build depending on what activation it is for us for the ambassador program we kind of wanted someone that was in their you know in that kind of mid to senior level position ambitious entrepreneurial and potentially working in kind of media finance so you you've got kind of a picture of of who you're trying to target and one of the ways is where you can vet is like putting a a survey or putting a sign up form and it can be two words or it can be a long you know 10 10 10 question uh survey depending on how specific and how you know I guess how much control you're going to be giving up to these people. So yeah, have some sort of mechanism, like a sign up form where people can reach out to you. And that's why as again, like an audience, if you've already got a built up audience, 
then you can tap into that when you're looking to kind of take that next step and and take more action within the community. Um, and then another process uh, that I added in for our vetting process was like a like an onboarding call. So every, you know, I would speak to maybe 500 people in a week across, you know, 10 different calls and people that showed up, you know, you would have 100 people signing up, but then you would have, you know, maybe 10 people attending those sessions. So you could start to dwindle down on actually who is wanting to be a part of this and who will actually commit because as volunteers, people that aren't getting paid, you want to make sure that they're they're in it for the right reasons. And then you you would have some sort of level of training or a, an additional onboarding where you're teaching them this is what ex- is expected, this is how you do the action. And then there would be some sort of like challenge where you could test their skills if if it was skills based on what you were doing. But then again, like, you know, if you're any kind of like political cause, sometimes you just want people to take action and vote. (laughs) So that's very different and a very shorter vetting process of how you get people to vote or share their message. But it's very similar to kind of what politics do. Actually, we, we studied the Bernie Sanders handbook um, from his team that that ran their campaign which was really interesting and what did you find out what did you learn about it um i think the biggest thing was like and we still continue to do this is like how the speed of of how someone comes to a website and signs up like how quickly can you bring them into the next stage and bring them into the next stage and a lot of that is manual I think there's also this friction. You've got to make it easy for people to to, to sign up to be a part of uh, what you're doing. If you come to like even me, I was uh, I was signing up for something, an event that's coming up in in a couple of weeks. It took me three pages to sign up to one event, and there was so much information that I had to fill out. I think some people that that build these kind of of, of programs. They don't actually go through that process themselves and actually, you know, honestly go through that and say that was easy or that was that's kind of the level I'm, I'm expecting from people to to commit to. But yeah, there's there's some interesting things in there. So worth a read. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. So where do you see the future of community led business growth in the coming years, considering evolving market trends and consumer behavior? So I think community-led growth, we had like a big uh, burst. What is it called? Yeah. We had a big bubble in uh, lockdown. I think when everyone went into lockdown and people just wanted to connect with people, online communities really grew at that point. So I think we're coming out of lockdown and and community-led growth. We're seeing a lot of newer businesses pop up. So startups, I think there's a really big opportunity, especially because, as I said, like if you've you've got the right community member or or, or you know hire, building this out and building out your programs, you can really scale so much quicker than you know if you just hire individually one person to run one thing. So I think it's a no-brainer for startups to be looking for a community hire when they're looking to build an audience or engage their customers. 
And then for, I think for the, I guess my, my big interest is in, in events. So I do see that in-person events are coming back. And I think a lot of these community-led events are coming back as well, but they, ha- they have a large focus on ROI. I think before you could kind of get away with just throwing things at the wall and hoping they stick and not really aligning any targets and revenue to those ideas and community strategies. But I think they, they're becoming a lot more smarter, a lot more sophisticated. But I think the beauty of community events is that they're quite authentic when they're run by community members and they're sharing your mission just because they purely love that. And yeah, I still think there's a place on virtual events. So I don't think they're, they're going to be running as, as much, but I think people are getting a bit more, what do you call it? I guess, creative with them and even doing things like this, doing live podcast recordings and allowing people to be in the audience and asking questions live. And then that being turned into a different piece of content to what it would be as a webinar. Yeah. Actually, you mentioned something very interesting. So let's say you have to build up a community for a podcast. So what would Mm -hmm. you do? Because you just gave us some idea, right? And so so many listeners, they have their own podcast. So what would you do as a community manager? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of companies out there that target podcasts now because this, the podcast community is booming. There's literally so many out there and they're really, really useful. I listen to like six a day, but I think you'd find that you're probably already speaking to an audience. So that's step one. And I think if you want to turn that into a community, really the the definition is, you know, you're in a room and if the chairs are facing to the theater, then that would be considered as you're talking to an audience. If you're in a room and all the chairs are facing towards each other, then that is considered what we call a community because they're interacting, they're engaging with each other, they're building those relationships. So if you want your community to build relationships, I think giving that opportunity to engage with your speaker or with the style of podcast. So again, like you can just put it, put it out to the audience. Maybe it's a survey, maybe it's a feedback link that, that happens at the, at the end of every episode where they can submit changes and ideas to you. And maybe that's something you adapt. I've seen a couple of different podcasts that allow users to kind of share or or send in voice notes and you're answering those questions live. And also I think there's, I've seen people that submit questions before, but also like each speaker submits a question and it's almost like this roulette of like, We've, I've got a bunch of questions at the end. I'm going to pick this one out and it's from this speaker. So you can see there that, that, that there's, there's more input from your community. They're not just an audience, but they're actually participating. They're actually taking action and growing and building that for you. And I think another, I had another idea, but there's also this 
opportunity for whether you're building the community within the speaker side or you're building the community within the audience and the listener side, there could be two different strategies. I think when it comes to speak the speakers, there's an opportunity where they can almost collate the different advice or information throughout the weeks. And at the end of your podcast series, you've got some sort of piece of content that you can share. And it's it's got eight different authors and it's something built and co-created, not just by you, but it, built by your community of speakers. I've also seen other people build out like some sort of mentoring program with their speakers to their audience. But but really, I think having a think about what it is, what is it that you want to achieve with your podcast and looking at the different pillars, is it, do you want to improve the product? Do you want to, do you want to market to our audience? Do you want to grow the user base? Do you want to scale? Do you want to what else? Yeah, build content. So looking at the different pillars of your your product and then focusing in on one or two of those kind of ideas and bringing your community into that fold. Thank you so much, Misha. This was, yeah, a very good brainstorming session and something that we definitely implement. <laughs> Wonderful. So, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs aiming to leverage community-driven strategies for their business, for their own business? Definitely, I don't think community is for every single business, but I think if you are working on a, like a mission-driven company, an idea, and you're solving a problem, that is a great opportunity to bring in your community. So yeah, it's, it's worth looking into hiring or even having some sort of freelancer to, to support with that strategy because you can 10x what you do with a community person versus doing it on your own. And there's a lot of, as I said, like in lockdown, there was a big boom and and there was a lot of other communities before that, that were talking about community. I've been part of one for, I think five years now called CMX. I think they've been going for 15 years or something like that. David Spinks is the founder. There's a lot of great people that are in that community that are constantly knowledge sharing and, and giving advice and jumping on calls with you. And, you know, you've never met them. There's so many other communities that have popped up at the moment. So I could, I could provide an endless list, but definitely check out CMX and uh, yeah. And if you want to meet community members in person, then uh, community professional, sorry, in person, there's a lot of more London events that are popping up recently. I'm working with the community, the London community pros who are doing a couple of different networking events as well awesome so if people want to stay in touch with you and keep learning more about building communities uh, making a change in the world how they can stay in touch with you yeah so you can find me on linkedin if you dm me on linkedin then i can write back straight away i'm usually on there every work day you can also find me on twitter although i mean x sorry i'm barely on it anymore just because i get sent some weird stuff (laughs) thanks elon musk so yeah i think linkedin is the best and if you want to listen to any of the kind of insights that i've given and the interviews i've had with community professionals then you can find me on any podcast channel the Behind the Community podcast is the name of my podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michelle, for all your knowledge and all your tips. We we'll see you soon. No Take care. Thank Bye. you. Bye.
Thanks so much.